Uh, how are you this morning? Everybody good? I sound a little bad. Um, I feel worse than I sound. So uh, that's, that's not good, I don't think. Um, get, everybody get a water? Did everybody get a water when you came in? If you didn't get a water, they're back on the tables. You're going to need it in a little while. You better buckle up because we're going to be here for a while. So you need some water. All right. Uh, there's an illustration coming up, and you're going to need a water. So you're, if you didn't get it, go ahead and get it now because... The first part of this is just silliness. Okay, so uh, I found a list a couple of weeks ago, the um, things you'll never hear a South Carolinian say. Things you'll never hear a South Carolinian say. I wish there was a Waffle House around here. You never hear a South Carolinian say that. I wish there was another church around here. You never hear a South Carolinian say that. Uh, I have plenty of milk and bread for the half inch of snow they're predicting. Never hear a South Carolinian say that. Everybody knows Hellman's is better than Duke's. Never, ever. Uh, my fiance, Bambi Sue, is registered at Neiman Marcus. You never hear South Carolinians say that. Bambi Sue, that's good. I'll take unsweet tea, please. Never hear that. I don't understand why people like football so much. You never hear that. Uh, I can't go to Walmart looking like this. I mean, you never hear anybody say that. Hey, here's an episode of Hee Haw we haven't seen yet. Nobody says that. Uh, what's Dollywood? Uh, you know, so, okay, so, and I came up with a couple more. Um, summer in Columbia, it's a dry heat. You never hear, uh, you never hear that. Um, I like the way Clemson and South Carolina fans cheer for each other's team. You never hear that. You don't hear that one. Uh, I think kudzu makes everything better. Never hear that. So there's a bunch of them you never hear. Oh, I, I was wondering where my tea went. Here it is. Okay. I introduce the sermon this, this way because I want you to know a couple things God never says. He never says there's no hope for you. He never says if you'll just do a little bit more, if you just do a few more things, I can accept you. There, there are things that God never says. Now, Paul in the book of Romans spends a lot of time early on saying we're all messed up and we all need a savior and the good news is we all need a savior and god provided a savior this is sort of the message of the book of romans and today he talks about this notion of having a credit line a credit line of righteousness all right so let's talk about credit just for a second uh, um, credited as righteousness is obviously a financial word a credit line, I mean, I'm not a banker, but I'm going to give you the kind of the general explanation that I understand. Um, a general loan or a regular loan or whatever, like if I get a mortgage, a mortgage is for a certain amount and I have to pay that certain amount. But a credit line is sort of an ongoing, fluctuating, I'm able to borrow this much money and I don't have to keep applying for it. So it's kind of, it could be up or down. I pay as I go, but I don't have to reapply for a loan all the time. It's one loan. Uh, it's one standing loan. So a HELOC, a, a home equity line of credit, is the, the one I know more about. And you have a home, you own, a, you own something of value. And so let's say uh, you own a house that's worth $400,000 and you owe $200,000. So you have equity in your house of $200,000. And you can borrow a HELOC, I, usually, I think is usually 85%. You can borrow 85% of that $200,000 of equity. So $170,000 in our illustration. And that $170,000 is kind of there to use as you see fit. You don't have to keep asking the bank for it. Uh, 
And you, you, you buy a car, and then you pay it off, and you never have to ask. You, you have, obviously, you have to pay it back, but, but you, you, there's an interest rate, and that's, that's for anything you want to use that money for. It's kind of how it works. All right, so, and, and sometimes people think, well, so a lot of credit is really just for rich people. And it's not just for rich people, honestly. Um, it, it's anybody that has a credit card has a line of credit. Everybody has a line of credit if you have a credit card. Because the credit card says you have this much you can spend, and you don't have to ask anybody how to spend it. You spend it on whatever you want to. All right, that's kind of how it works. So when God says, I credited it to him as righteousness, we are given a line of credit on righteousness, on being right with God. We can be as right with God as we choose to be anytime we choose to be it. We, we can be really, really right or really not right, but we have the option to be right with God. It is always available to us. This is kind of an amazing thought. Romans teaches us things I don't know that I've really thought about ever in my life, that all of my sins are forgiven, past, present, future. And it's... It really is confusing for people because it's like, okay, well, I have to keep doing stuff to win God's favor. Really, you don't. You don't have to keep working. You just, because God has been so generous and so great to us, we want to do things for him, but we don't have to do things for him. And this is the difference. All right, so we're at the end of chapter, I think, five. Are we in chapter five? I work ahead. I don't know where I am. We're at the end of chapter four. Okay. So here we go. What you need to know about this righteousness line of credit, it, it takes faith to access it. Look what he says. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. All right, so this is important, really important. Um. If you have a home equity line of credit, they give you a checkbook or they give you a debit card or they give you some way to access the money. It doesn't do you any good if you can't get to it. So they give you a way to get to it. So we're going to look at Abraham's life. What did he do to access God's righteousness? So the other day I got a new phone. I have some headphones that uh, I, I used to listen to on my old phone, and I couldn't figure out how to pair my new phone with my old headphones. And I got on YouTube and there's a video and it took me literally 30 seconds of watching this video to figure out, oh, this is how you do it. All right. Abraham is the YouTube video of how do you, do you access God's righteousness. It really is that. Look, look at the next couple of verses. Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. Uh, there, there's another older translation, and I really like it. Abraham believed in God who calls the things that are not as though they were. That's a great, that's a great expression. Abraham's 75 when he receives a promise from God. You are going to be the father of a great nation. He's 85 when God says to him, look up at the sky and count the stars if you can count them. Look at the sands of the sea. This is how many your offspring are going to be. And Abraham believed. Look at it again. For Abraham is the father 
uh, of all who believe. We're talking about belief a lot today. That is what the scripture means when, when God told him, I have made. God didn't say, I'm going to make. He says, I have made you the father of many nations. This is before Abraham has any kids. I have made you this. This is what I speak into your life. Now, what does it take to understand faith? A couple things. I'm going to give you a list inside a list inside a list, so don't get confused. I'll try to go slow. The first thing here is this. We always start with facts. Look at what it says. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. He was about 100 years old. He was 99. And, and, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. She was about uh, 90. So if these two had gone to a fertility clinic, they would have been kicked out because there, no, there was really no hope. There's just really no hope. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. It's really a great way to say it. There are facts, and then there's what God says. And Abraham faces the facts. It's like, well, this doesn't look good for me, but, but God said it. And I want to just pause for a second. God says some things about us that we need to believe even if we don't believe them. We need to say, okay, well, God said it, so it must be true, even if I don't think it about myself. Let me show you three verses. There are many. I just want to show you three. You are created. He's, uh, this is David writing. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Each and every one of us is exactly created the way God wants us. He knew us before we were ever in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. You might not think that about yourself. You might look in the mirror and go, gosh, I don't like what I see. You don't have to believe it for it to be true. But this is what God says. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. He created you just the way he wanted you. You're special to him. Look at this other one. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. You're wanted by God. He wants you to be a part of the family. He has created you because he loves you. You don't have to believe it for it to be true. One more. For we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You might not believe you're a masterpiece, but God sees you as a masterpiece. Elise played in a basketball game yesterday. They lost. Those other teams cheated. Uh, a bunch of cheaters. The refs were horrible. You know, so it's, it's, <laughs> it's that. But I tell you, you want to know who I focused on? There are 10 players on the court. Who did I focus on? I only focused on one. I only watched one. To me, she's a masterpiece. This is how God sees you. He focuses on you. 
And you don't have to believe it for it to be true. But it's something we ought to get in our minds. Man, God thinks so much of us. He thinks so much of us. All right, so Abraham heard he was going to be the father of, an, of many nations. He's, he's, he's old as dirt. His wife is old as dirt. It's not a good prospect for like having a bunch of kids. It's really kind of, it's like you can't, it can't happen. He faces the fact that he's really old, and yet he, it says he hopes beyond hope. He believes even though there's no hope. It's really, really important. Now, there's some things you need to understand about your future. Let me, let me give you a couple of them. Three facts to consider about your life. Everyone is mortal. Every person must die once, it says. After death, God will judge each person. Everyone will die sometime. Everyone will spend eternity somewhere. Jesus said, the unsaved will go to the eternal punishment, but the righteous will go to eternal life. Smoking or non-smoking, heaven or hell, you have a choice. And that's the third thing. Everyone has a choice. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And by inference, those who don't, won't. These, this, these are the facts. So we, we just said, okay, so Abraham looked at the facts, and then he still hoped. So the th- second thing is this. It ends in belief. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. He, he knew the facts. So with what I just said, understand something. These are the facts. Everyone's mortal. Everyone will spend eternity somewhere. You get to choose. You get to choose. There are facts you have to deal with. This is, this is what Paul is saying here. So the first thing is, okay, so faith accesses, access, accesses um, righteousness. The second thing is this. God is the guarantor. You have to have somebody guaranteeing this is going to happen. Yet he did not waver, this is talking about Abraham, through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. So if you go into a bank, sometimes you'll see a a little symbol like this, the Federal Department of something and something. Uh, I'll read it to you. The Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. None of us, I think, I don't think any of us lived through the Great Depression. Maybe, uh, maybe we have a couple. During the Great Depression, about one-third of the banks closed. So if you have a deposit in the bank, you might go to the bank, and the bank would be closed, and you just lose your money. That uh, t- has a tendency to freak people out. I mean, you save and save and save. You put your money in the bank. You go to get it, and it's not there. So the FDIC was invented, was created, so that... Uh, you could know, okay, well, my money is guaranteed up to a certain point in this bank. If I put money in this bank or in this institution, then my money is guaranteed. A promise is only as good as the one who makes the promise. The promises of God. So if you're a dad and you say to your son, we're going to go fishing next Saturday, the only thing the son has to hang his hat on is, I believe my dad is truthful. He will tell the truth. He tells the truth. This is what I know about my father. Well, God makes a promise. This is, this is who he is. I, I, he's made this promise. And I like that it says that Abraham didn't waver. 
This is an interesting word. It means to have two minds, to think two different ways. So I don't know if you've ever been driving and you didn't know exactly where you were going. Maybe you're following the GPS. And sometimes I can't read that. Like, I don't know, does it mean to go hard right or a little bit of right? And, and so you don't always know. When I'm driving, I was driving back from Columbia yesterday, and, and there's a guy, he's in the left lane, he's in the right lane. He couldn't figure out which lane he wanted to be in. Um, I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. I handle that like Christian pastors should. I quote Jesus right after I pass him. Get thee behind me, Satan. Uh, so uh, that, that's what you have to do. But that's the notion. Uh, Abraham didn't say, well, maybe he will, maybe he won't. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. God said it, and he's like, okay, well, then if God said it, then that's what's going to happen. Abraham believed in the God who calls things that are not as though they are. Have you ever thought about this? Abraham means, the name Abraham means father of many. That's what the name exactly means, father of many. So he goes to a party, <laughs> and somebody says, hey, dude, what's your name? And he's like, my name is Abraham. Like, well, how many kids do you have? Well, none. That's like a homeless dude being named Richie Rich. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And so Abraham, he goes to these parties, or he go, he's in town, and, and everybody has to, there has to be a little bit of a snicker going on, because Abraham is called the home, the, 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 um, the father of many, and he's not the father of any. Not, he's not the father of many. He's not even the father of any. And everybody kind of snickers, I think. And he keeps waiting and waiting and waiting. And God keeps saying, you are a father. Not you will be a father. God speaks it as if it is true. <laughs> you are a father. And about us, when it says it was credited to him as righteousness, he says that about us too. One of the hardest things about the, this text so far has been to realize I'm in right standing with God right now. I was in right standing with God when I was in the middle of sin because of Jesus. Because when he looks at me, he sees Jesus. His blood covers all of my sins. It's kind of mind-blowing, frankly. How can God look at me and look, I know my faults, I know my problems, I know my flaws, I know my sins, I know my thoughts. I'm not even right with myself half the time. And yet the Bible says He is right with us. See, part of that is we think it depends on us. It's not my faith that's the issue. It's God's promise that's the issue. I have access to righteousness that I may not be accessing because I don't think I deserve it. When we lived in Michigan, the lakes would freeze over just about every winter. I walked out on Lake Michigan one time. It was really dumb. My wife is a saint. She really, she let me do anything I wanted to do, like stupid stuff like that. I took the girls one time out in a blizzard to the Lake Michigan. I mean, it's just really, really dumb. 
I, we got out there. You can't see anything. I don't know where the lake is. I don't know where I am. Snot all over your face. I mean, it was horrible. And, and Miriam just like, she trusts me. She shouldn't, but she does. So one time, oh, she's in here. Uh, so one time, I'm by myself. There's Lake Michigan. It's, it's a clear day. And there's ice. Well, every guy in here, let me ask you this question. Ladies, you might not, you might not do it. Guys, when you see ice on a lake, what do you want to do? You want to walk on it. Because, well, it's there. It's ice. It ought to be cool. It, it looks thick. <laughs> like, like I would know thickness of ice by looking at it. So I walked on the ice. You know what I saw? Cracks. Lots of cracks. Like, well, that, that's probably not good. I walked out a ways. I looked around. <laughs> I'm like, well, you can go a long way out here if you want to. Really dumb. I got invited to go ice fishing at least a thousand times. Every time I would say, okay, I don't like to fish and I don't like to be cold. I can't imagine combining those two would be something I would enjoy. Thank you for the invitation, but I'm not going to do that. But they have a saying around ice. Never put a strong faith in thin ice. Nearly every year, they would drive their trucks out onto the lake and they would drill a hole and they would fish, stick a, a, a fishing line down and they would fish. And nearly every year, about springtime, about this time of year, actually February, um, you'd hear about somebody's truck breaking through the ice. They put a lot of faith in thin ice. If you're going to put your faith in something, put it in a great God. Because if you have a little faith in a great God, he declares you righteous. A little faith in a great God. And he considers you righteous. It takes faith to access righteousness. God is the guarantor. Jesus paid for it. He, Jesus, was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. It's one of the greatest theological verses in all of Scripture. He was delivered over. It's an it's a accounting term. It's a, he, he, his payments, he paid for what I couldn't pay for. You've heard the expression, giving credit where credit is due. We've been given credit where credit isn't due. I occasionally use a credit card. I don't use it very often, but occasionally, like if I'm renting a hotel room or something like that, I'll use a credit card. But you always have to pay it back, right? You just have to pay it back. What if you had a line of credit that you never had to pay back? So the Bible says this. He was delivered over to death. Look at this one. For... Uh, you, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. When we moved to New Mexico many, many years ago, about 20 years ago, I, um, I, I heard the... New Mexico is southwesty. They have, they have a lot of cowboy people there. and a lot, it's, it's cool. It's very cool. And everybody, a lot of them, almost everybody, all the men wore boots. Got to get you some boots. It's like, I don't want to get some boots. You know, I, I, I don't care about boots. And I had one guy, I can't even remember his name, super nice. He said, okay, go up here to Billy's Boot Barn or something. I forget what it was, but it was like Billy's Boot Barn. It's kind of what it was. And he said, go in there to Billy's Boot Barn and have them set you up with some boots. And I'm like, I was hesitant. I'm thinking, I don't want to pay 
I mean, boots are expensive. I don't want to pay a bunch of money for boots. And he said, go in there to Billy's Boot Barn, ask for Billy, <laughs> tell Billy, it's on me. Like, any pair you want, on me. Like, okay. If it's not going to cost me anything, I'll give it a go. I go to Billy's Boot Barn. You know they make boots out of everything. Ostrich skin, snake skin, um, you know, uh, just skin of everything. It's just, it's just skin, lots of skins. And I'm looking around, and I pick some boots, and I wore them for about a week. They're horrible. But I didn't care so much because it didn't cost me anything. Now, if, if one of you were to come up today and say, Joseph, uh, the Lord has moved us, and we would like to pay off all of your debts, I would thank you as I giggled inside because I'm like, you don't have that kind of resources. However, if Elon Musk comes to church today and he says, Pastor, that was the greatest sermon I've ever heard, I'd like to pay off all your debts. Well, it's like, okay, well, I believe Elon can do it because he's got, <laughs> he's got resources beyond any of us. Well, God says, okay, I've got this righteous, righteousness supply. It's kind of beyond anything you'll ever have, and I want to, you to apply it to you. Now, it says Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life, like raised to life for our justification. That's like the receipt. We know God has the power to do what he says he can do, because of the resurrection. The other day, I took my mower to uh, a tractor place to get it serviced for the winter, right? So it's ready for spring. I'm ready for spring. And I go in there to pay, and the guy hands me the receipt. And on the receipt, he had marked, he had stamped paid. Well, the resurrection is like that, paid. We, we need to know it's going to happen, and it is going to happen. Now, here's the best news of all. To access faith, uh, to access this righteousness, you have to have faith. God guarantees it. Jesus paid for it. You can get in on it. The best news ever. You can get in on it. The word, it was credited to him, were written not for Abraham alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. It's great news. I preached one Easter Sunday in Muskegon, Michigan. We didn't have a Chick-fil-A. The closest Chick-fil-A was in, uh, where's, where's Notre Dame? What's that town? South Bend. South Bend. It was in South Bend. The closest one to us was South Bend, about 100 miles away. And so every time we would come down to Kentucky from Michigan, we'd go through South Bend and I would get Chick-fil-A because you just hardly ever got it. Like here, there's like how many on Wade Hampton? At least two. So we just didn't get Chick-fil-A very much. And when you don't have it, you want it more and more and more. It's just kind of one of those things. So I would talk about, I would laud, laud the, uh, the, the Chick-fil-A-ness of, of greatness. You know, it's like Chick-fil-A is the best thing ever. And everybody kind of knew that pastor loves Chick-fil-A. And I did love Chick-fil-A. And so Easter Sunday morning, we are packed. And I use, I make this illustration. I said, okay, good news is Chick-fil-A giving away free sandwiches. That's good news. Great news is that there's a Chick-fil-A in town where you can access this good news. Because in Muskegon, for Chick-fil-A to be giving away a free sandwich, well, who cares? Because we can't, we can't access it. 
But if there was a Chick, I said, great news would be there's a Chick-fil-A here and we can access it. See the difference? There's good news. There's great news. After the service is over with, I go down. I'm chatting it up with people. This guy comes up. I've never seen him before. He said, I own the Chick-fil-A in South Bend. Here are some coupons for free Chick-fil-A sandwiches. It took a great news to a next level. I mean, it's awesome. I tucked them in my pocket. Second service, I talked about, um, I talked about Texas Roadhouse because uh, I'm trying, you know, trying to work the crowd. Uh, um, <laughs> good news becomes great news when it applies to you, right? That's how it works. He says here, this is also for us. Abraham was considered righteous. And listen, Abraham was a screwball. I mean, he made some really dumb, he did dumb things. He denied uh, his, his wife was his wife. I mean, it just, he just really did dumb things. And yet, God considered him righteous. Look at the last, um, but also for us to whom God credited righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. All right, get out your bottle of water. I'm going to make an illustration. The English word believe, we think that means something mental. I, I mentally believe something. In Greek, I thought you were drinking your water, Tracy. Hold up, buddy. Don't get ahead of me. Okay. The Greek word for believe means to drink. You're like, well, they don't have anything to do with each other. Well, they do if you understand what the Greeks meant or what Jesus meant when he talked about believing. It makes a ton of sense. I just lost my stuff. There we go. Oh. Sorry. So, the word means, to believe means to drink. To drink. So, if somebody gives you water, you can look at it. You can believe it's water. Crack it open if you can, if you have the ability, if you're dexterous enough. If I were to say drink, you're not going to pour it over your head. You're going to take it into your mouth and you're going to swallow it into your stomach. Let's do it. Let's take a drink. I hope nobody's allergic to water. Uh, you know, everybody's allergic to something. For, the, for, the, for Jesus, when he, look, look at this verse. It's so cool. Jesus stood and said, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Come to me and believe. Whoever believes in me. See how he ties the two together? Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. To believe isn't something that you have in your head. It's something that you have in your heart. You take it inside of you. You might be here today and you're not married, but you believe in the institution of marriage. For, for whatever reason, you're not married now. Maybe you're, you're divorced or widowed or widowered or, or uh, you just never got married yet, just not that old, or you just haven't found the right person. But you, want to, you believe in the institution of marriage. You just aren't married. So I'm a preacher. By the power vested in me, I now pronounce you married. And you go, well, that's stupid. Because you have to have somebody to be married to. Yeah, it's stupid. 
I can believe in the institution of marriage, but that doesn't make me married. I can believe in Jesus. I can believe he's a great guy. I can believe he lived a sinless life. I can believe he's the son of God. But that doesn't mean I have faith in him, that I really believe in him. This is what the scriptures are talking about. It's not just knowing. It's taking Jesus into your life. Look, there are three elements of faith. Emotional says, I want to. Intellectual says, I ought to. Intentional says, I will. So the question is, have you ever done that? You might have been in church all your life, and you've never taken Jesus into your heart. You know about him. You know if you're in Sunday school, the answer is Jesus. It's always Jesus. But it's a difference between knowing about Jesus and having Jesus in your heart. Paul is like, okay, well, Abraham is the father of all of this because he believed in God. He believed what God had to say, and he acted upon it. God said, go to a different place. He went to a different place. God said, you're going to be a father, and Abraham believed he was going to be a father, even though all the evidence would say, no, you're not going to be a father. Abraham believed Anyway, this is what he's talking about here at the end of chapter 4. It's not just something I know. It's something I believe. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this message, for this good word today. Thank you for showing us a difference between knowing and believing. We love you. Help us to walk closely with you. Help us to believe deeply in you. Help us to see ourselves the way you see us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.